0: Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis from Elsevier, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the pandemic and beyond.
1: Hi, everybody. I'm Michael Carice. In this special episode, we'll be talking to one of the winners of the 2022 Osmosis Raise the Line Faculty Awards, who was chosen from over 1,000 nominations we received from 377 institutions around the world with students and colleagues submitting videos and testimonials telling us how they embody the six osmosis core values. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Professor Elizabeth Hendricks, overall winner for the Nursing Nurse Practitioner BSN category. And Beth, it's great to have you on the show. Congratulations. Thank
0: you so much. I am so excited to be here.
1: So instead of me reading your resume, um, why don't we find out in your own words, what you're doing there at New Mexico State University and a little bit on the university and the health education programs too.
0: Absolutely. So I am an Ohio transplant, which I feel happens a lot in Southern New Mexico, where I live and where New Mexico State University is, is surrounded by an hour of desert. And so since it's surrounded by an hour of desert, there's all these opportunities for nurse educators because that access to resources is a lot different than where I'm from in Northeast Ohio. So a couple of years ago, I had a friend that moved to New Mexico. They finished their NP program and said, you know what, I think you would love it here. One, you love tacos, two, you hate snow, three, (laughs) you should come out here. So I did, and I found right away that a master's prepared nurse educator was of more value in Southern New Mexico then it would be in a place like in Ohio where you could throw a dime and it would bounce off 12 people with their MSN degree. So got here, I would say about four or five years ago and started working the bedside, finished my master's in nursing education quickly, ended up working in a local hospital for an RN residency, made a lot of connections to RN residency with research and just developing programs for new grads. And then eventually made my way to New Mexico State University, which for short NMSU. So great place to be.
1: Sounds like it. So when did you decide to go down the educational path? What drew you to that?
0: you know what i think some of us when we start nursing immediately you have a student that is very confident and feels very capable and then you have that other student and i think i was the other student i definitely had a lot of imposter syndrome so i'm sure most people listening know what that is but if you don't you know you, you go to a class you're feeling good you're confident and then maybe the instructor uses a word that you don't understand or some terminology or they cover some topics that you can not apply and immediately it's almost like you have that old looney tunes cartoon right so the devil on one shoulder the angel on the other like you can do this no you can't <laughs> and um i suffered from that pretty bad And I think what got me into education was how long it took me personally to grow my nursing backbone as a student. So I definitely represent the other student. And I think representation is super important in undergraduate nursing.
1: And you felt somehow that you would be able to help that type of student as an instructor?
0: I did. Um, I ended up meeting a nurse educator I was working at Altman hospital in Canton, Ohio, which is just South of the Cleveland clinic. And I had transferred to the cardiology CCU unit. And there was this amazing educator that kind of took me, and made me step back and go, why are you doing this? Why do you love it so much? Who do you want to be? How do you want your patient's outcomes to be? You're really bright and what is making you hold back? And and so that nurse educator really pushed me. And after experiencing that, I kind of wanted to be her. And we can never be our mentors, you know, we can never be our mentors. We can't fill their shoes, but we can wear our own shoes and walk beside them. So I definitely wanted to be like her.
1: That's great. Is there anybody else who kind of inspired you to think about education?
0: Definitely my father, Ken Hendricks, he told me, you know what, you're super bright. And before you make any decision, I definitely, in in life as an adult, I definitely want you to think about your education because coming from Northeast Ohio, it's a Rust Belt area. So you're talking about a lot of wonderful blue collar folks, but maybe they don't have a college education. And so he really pushed me to consider college rather than not since I was the first person in my family to go to college. And so my dad was a big inspiration too.
1: That's great. So you mentioned before being involved with an RN residency program. So for folks who maybe are less familiar with that stage of nursing education, talk about that a little bit and and what you think you brought to that.
0: Sure thing. So the first thing when I talk about residency, because it seems like sometimes a foreign subject, when you think about a resident doctor, some people that are just entering the healthcare field, they don't know that a resident doctor has their license, right? So if a doctor finishes school and becomes a resident physician, they have their license, but they're learning how to practice. And I feel like physicians have a lot of support when it comes to learning how to practice and mentorship where RNs that's just now becoming a practice that we're seeing um, with The the RN um, degree, or really for nursing in general. So, with RN residency, these are new grad nurses who have their license, but they're coming into a program and being taught not only how to take care of patients and have good outcomes. So, you're getting support on top of what you learned in nursing school, especially because every nursing school is so different. Is it a practice based program? Is it concept based? Is it competency based? So, it's bringing all those students together and giving them some cohesive education just to kind of put that frosting on the cake, right? So nursing school is a cake, residency is the frosting, that finishing of the product, but it's also connecting those new grads to mentors and those mentorships can last for a year. Preceptors, also interdisciplinary mentors. It's very easy to have a maybe like a laser focus of what you want to do as a new grad, but you forget, oh yeah, I have to work with physical therapy. I have to work with occupational therapy, speech therapy, respiratory therapy, case management. I have all these departments, these interdisciplinary team members that I need to connect with too. So it's really, again, just putting the frosting on the cake. The cake was passing your NCLEX. So, and it usually lasts about a year. It just depends on the program.
1: Speaking of the NCLEX, that's something else you've, you've done. You've been a tutor, and uh, helped a lot of folks prepare for that exam. So for any people facing that, or actually, you know, other big tests, and there's lots of moments like that in medical education, what's some of your go-to advice? What's your approach to test taking?
0: The first approach as a coach is to know that a student is not a grade. Of course, we want you to be successful. Of course, we want A's, especially, um, you know, students that come to programs, students that listen to podcasts, those are usually like very high, high producing and very motivated students. And so students that get stuck in that, I am what my grade is, can be really tough for students coming to nursing school. You know, nursing school, medical school, those are completely different kinds of tests. It's the first time you enter a program and go, oh my gosh, all four answers are right. How can all four <laughs> answers be right? This is ridiculous. So the, the my first approach would be, you are not a grade and you are not a number. The most successful nurses that I have seen that have graduated are persistent. They're persistent students. They're persistent and they're passionate and they keep going. I myself was a B student, I was never an A student. Um, I was too busy balancing every other variable that a lot of nursing students or medical students have to deal with. Are we family members? Are we spouses? Are we working? Do we have our own like personal challenges that we're dealing with? Of course we are as humans. So being able to recognize you're not a number is one. Two is truly learning to think like a nurse. I think when it comes to traditional programs, it's knowledge-based. So a knowledge based question is going to be what are symptoms of the pneumonia a cough shortness of breath versus when you get into nursing school the medical school what is the pathology what is the problem what's broken so so what's broken in that initial anatomy or pathology what symptoms are we expecting but the testing is what how do we analyze this information and how do we apply it intervene and evaluate outcomes And that really trips students up so it's really learning that clinical judgment
1: yeah and kind of assuming an identity for the first time absolutely as a professional as a nurse as a clinician Mm -hmm. that's that's the toughest part right big step so in order to win the award you received a lot of nominations and testimonials from students and colleagues and i'm going to embarrass you and read some of that right now. So I have had the pleasure of having Professor Elizabeth Hendricks for over half of my nursing school journey to become an RN BSN. She is without a doubt the best professor I have ever had. And that says a lot as this is my third degree. She is a compassionate, dedicated professional. She's empathetic and absolutely driven to help her students succeed. I needed some more time and guidance with some of the harder critical care concepts basically anything cardiac. And Professor Hendricks took the time and provided me with that time and additional resources to help me understand in a way that made sense to me. What's your reaction to that?
0: Um, It makes me feel like I should have been in academia a long time ago. I don't know about any of you or anybody listening, but if you've ever found what you love, you know, there's always a reason and a season for how we get here. But I wish I would have been an educator. Eons ago. You know, I didn't get into academia um, until about 14 years at the bedside. And whenever I see a student make those connections and you see that light bulb go off over their head, it makes me feel, gosh, like successful, but not only for me, but for them, right? I'm 44. These folks are going to take care of me. I'm surrounded by an hour of desert. So I need these (laughs) nursing students to to understand, but also I need them to find me more than an instructor. It is my deepest wish for all of my students to find me as a mentor and a coach. Many people can be an instructor, but it takes it takes some delivery of yourself and some transparency and teamwork and collaboration and mentorship to really have that kind of relationship with your students and that's a lot of work and it can be very exhausting but at the end of the day i have students that leave feedback like this and it's so rewarding for me but not only for me for them for their patients and then if you think about it here for our community which is most important so I'm, i'm super pleased to hear students give me feedback like this and i accept the feedback as all educators get that maybe I don't like so much, right? Because we all get that feedback too. All those things are super important. What we do well and where we need to grow. It's equally important.
1: That's well put. So as you probably know, osmosis has six core values. Start with the heart, spread joy, have each other's backs, imagine more, open your arms, and reach further. Is there one of those that you are particularly drawn to or think describes you best?
0: Out of the osmosis six values, it would have to be having your students back. So one of the most important values as a professor is to meet my students with a lot of challenge, but also support. When I challenge my students and really throw down some outcomes that I need them to have, they know that they can speak with me, they have the safe space to make a mistake, they can ask me any question, which is so important because we've all had professors who maybe not purposefully, but maybe they teach us shame. You should have known that. Why didn't you know that? Why didn't you, you've learned that already. We've covered that. It's, it could be true, but it's not fruitful for the student. Those words aren't fruitful. So I'd like to challenge them, give them support, and also not tell them everything they do is amazing, right? So having their back and meeting them with challenge is, I feel the the best method for connecting with students
1: makes sense so as a teaching company uh you know we love to fill knowledge gaps and we love to get some direction from our guests about a topic that they really care about where they think people more people should know about it or people believe a myth about it things along those lines is there something that comes to mind
0: what would come to mind for me the most because i'm so transparent with my students is being aware of your learning style and i know that learning style has debunked debunked a little bit in research because we know that most nursing students or medical students are multimodal learners but even if we are there's still our primary learning styles and so one of the things that my students know is i am openly adhd and because of that i have a hard time reading you know i start at the left side of my book at the top left of my page and i end up on the bottom right and go how the heck did i get here (laughs) and so i know that i need supplemental resources So if you are an instructor, I highly encourage you to consider posting podcast episodes, posting videos like osmosis. I use osmosis with with my class because it's going to bridge between passive learning and actually active learning. So passive learning, right? The student says, I don't get it. I read my book. I watched the lecture. I I even watched a video or two. When you add those extra supplemental resources on top of it, teach them how to take notes, teach them how to break down concepts, how to listen, um, how to find a quiet space where they can listen. What is their learning style? Can they consolidate three pages of notes into one note, right? So all those tricks, including spaced repetition. I love your video on spaced repetition. I use it all the time in my classroom. When you teach students those tricks and you cater to their learning style, I guarantee your classroom will have better outcomes.
1: Yeah. Folks need to learn how to learn. And it's not something that really is incorporated into K-12 curriculums or even college curriculums.
0: I didn't learn until my second degree. When I had my ADN degree back in 2006, got my associate degree of nursing. You know, I had no idea how to learn. It was really when I attempted my bachelor's degree in 2012, that I had a mentor that finally taught me how to learn. And once I did, gosh, I went from an average student to you know, a, dipl- a diploma with honors. So it's such a difference.
1: So you're with students all the time. And as you know, this is a, a particularly difficult moment in healthcare, We're still dealing with COVID and COVID caused so much upheaval over the last couple of years. So what advice do you give them about stepping into healthcare now and, and actually even thinking a little bit More long term about their career,
0: so that's a great question. And the first thing I'm going to do is back up: is how to get through this time as a student. So when I I am personally a nurse practitioner student, I have 11 weeks to go for my um, adult geriatric acute NP courses, and during the pandemic we had. Every single hospital has a COVID command center where they get all the subject matter experts together and how to solve problems for COVID for that community and that facility. And during that time, which I'll never regret, I put so much time into bettering outcomes for our facility that my grade dropped. Uh And so as somebody who's always had amazing grades in school, starting at my bachelor's, um, it was a big blow. To be in an academic warning because I could not find balance. So, as a student, I want to encourage to find balance. Yes, I'm proud of everything I did with COVID. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I was in academic warning and could have jeopardized my whole NP education. So, finding resiliency and productivity—that balance is so important. Two, when you graduate and you get there, be aware that you're going to meet some tired and exhausted healthcare professionals, and you're probably not meeting them at their best right now. There's a lot of burnout professionals. They are there to help people and uh, they love their careers, but they're, they're COVID kids, right? They're, they're burnt from the pandemic and to keep positivity, keep being a team member and know that what you put into your relationship with some of these burnout coworkers are, is what you're going to get back so be true to yourself, be, be positive, be a team member, and keep putting that positive energy into your workforce because it, it, you will get it in return.
1: So talk a little bit about the NP. Why did you decide to go for that? And, and what are you hoping to accomplish with it?
0: So I wanted to go to NP school for years. And as a nurse, I told myself, I'm not smart enough to be a nurse practitioner. So I'll go into education instead, which is hilarious. Um, that That is not the right answer. And I think education kind of gave me my confidence, especially because I have so much background in cardiology in Ohio. I worked for a top 50 in the US cardiology hospital. And I just knew that there there's a lot of NPs out there. There are not a lot of nurse practitioners that have an education background. So I knew I could bring a lot to my patients, especially when you, when it comes to cardiac, because you need so much patient education and being able to connect uh, with your patients to get them to what? Be compliant, to understand their treatments, to understand that it's a team effort for their outcomes. And I just love the heart. So when my students hear the word perfusion, they usually run to the bathroom with <laughs> GI complications.
1: <laughs> well, that's all right. There's nothing wrong with... Getting your point across. That's right. So as we wrap up here, are there any folks you want to thank peers, students, mentors?
0: Um, I would like to first thank my students because student feedback is so important. And as when I was a student, I would feel like I would feel like some of my friends would be keyboard warriors. So they would leave all this feedback at the end of the semester for what their professor could do better. But I'd really try to connect with my students and like, create that transparency um, and collaboration, tell me what you need from me now. And I, I have that relationship with so many of my students and they tell me what's going well and what could go better. And my students have truly made me the educator that I am now. As far as mentors, Rhonda Fleshman in Canton, Ohio was my very first CCU clinical educator that made me want to get into academia. Todd Stuby is my former director here in Las Cruces when I I ran the RN residency program and going from an RN to an educator, he was like, do you even know what Excel is? And I'm like, teach me everything, (laughs) teach me everything that I need to know. And uh, definitely my, my current director, Alexa Doig, who has taught me that outcomes are as equally as important as emotional intelligence And lastly, to my wife, Beth Cole, who is my inspiration to be a better person every day.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. Well, listen, we'll have to leave it there, but I want to thank you so much for taking time to talk to us, congratulate you again on receiving the Raise the Lion Faculty Award. And we just want to wish you the best in the coming year. And thank you for all you do for the next generation of healthcare professionals.
0: Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for everything that you do for students with all learning styles. I really appreciate you.
1: That's great. I'm Michael Carice. I want to thank you for checking out this special episode of Raise the Line. If you'd like to learn about other faculty award winners from 2022, please check out osmosis.org forward slash faculty dash awards. And as always, remember to do your part to raise the line and strengthen the healthcare system. We're all in this together.
0: If you like this podcast please share it on your social channels you can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our episodes at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast